Psalm 19 and verse 14. Again, it's a familiar verse in scripture. Many, many of us would have used it in our times of prayer and so on. But I just want to, want to remind us about this verse of scripture as we get ready to stand up and make our declaration this morning. Psalm 19 verse 14, David prays. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let them be pleasing in your eyes. One of the things that I just kind of woke up to about my own personal life was this, that I was praying something before God, just praying and believing God for certain things. But then when I came out, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart were not consistent with what I was praying and believing God for. So suddenly, I realized my mistake. I realized, hey, I'm praying one thing before God, but when I come out talking to people, just facing the realities of life, my words and my meditation, my thinking, is not in line with what I'm with my praying. Praying one thing, saying and thinking something totally different. And so, I said, you know, I need to make that correction. I, I, I know that this is the way God wants us to do it. He wants our praying, our thinking, and our speaking all to be in a line, not to contradict each other. So I said, you know, I need to make that correction in my life. I need to make sure that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my what I meditate and what I think in, are consistent with what my praying goes on, what my praying is in the presence of God. See, when you're praying, you pray full of faith. God, move the mountain, change the nation, turn it upside down. We can pray all these wonderful things. The question is, are the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, are they consistent with the grand things we pray in the presence of God? See, in life, there are facts and then there is truth. The fact may be, I'm sick in my body, the truth is, by His stripes, I've been healed. The fact may be, I'm in need. The truth is, my God supplies for all of my need, according to His riches. And God's people will not lack any good thing. The fact may be, that my mind's confused, I'm troubled. The truth is, that will keep Him in perfect peace. His mind that stayed on you. Facts are temporal, truth is eternal. Facts will change, the truth will never change. For as long as the heavens as, as are high above the earth, so far this word is established, this word is forever settled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will not pass away. In any situation, I have a choice. I can either base my meditation and my speaking on the facts, or I can base my meditation and my speaking on the truth. The choice is always there. Amen? I want to encourage us. While we don't deny the facts, let's choose the higher truth. Let's choose to have the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be based on the eternal truth. The one thing that will not change. God's word. Let's stand up to our feet as we get ready to make a declaration. When you hold your Bible high up in the air, say this out loud to me. Bold and strong. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. 
I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. This morning I want to spend some time talking to parents in the house. How many parents are there? Can I see your hands? Quite a few of us here. So the sermon title is simply Attention Parents. Parenting is probably the most challenging assignment you'll ever choose to get into. One of the most challenging assignments that you ever take up. And uh, I want to just bring our attention to one aspect of parenting, something that's been going on in my own heart in recent times. And just want to share that with us this morning. And uh, by no way am I a parenting expert. I wish I was preaching this when I was 55. You know, I could look back and say, you know, I did this and did that and did that. By no means am I a parenting expert or do I know everything about parenting? I don't. But I just want to share something that's been going on in my own heart, my own life. I just want to pass it on to you this morning. Uh, And uh, hopefully it will bless us. And as young people, I want to encourage you to listen to this as well. Because soon and very soon, you too are going to be a parent. So don't tune off and say, well, I wish my mom was here, my dad was here. You know, let me call them on the cell phone, put them online. You know? <laughs> so don't do that. Listen. Because I believe this will mean something to you as well, although it's coming to you ahead of time. Let's go in our Bibles first. And just spend a few time on a few scriptures here this morning. Let's go to our Bibles first, Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. We're going to read uh, verses 14 and 15. Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The Bible says here, Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. So God is speaking about marriage. He's saying, you know, uh, of course he's speaking through seven Malachi, saying, you know, I'm standing as a witness. I stood as a witness between you and your wife when you made that covenant. I was there. I sealed your marriage uh, with the presence of my own Holy Spirit. So don't treat it lightly. Do not, you know, disregard the wife of the youth. Do not disregard the covenant. He goes on to say the next verse, I hate divorce and so on. But the point I want to bring your attention to is in verse 15 where he says... What does God desire of marriage? He desires godly offspring. God desires 
godly offspring. He seeks for this. There are some things God is looking for. He seeks for those who worship Him in spirit and truth. But He's also seeking, looking, desiring for godly offspring. Let's say together, He seeks godly offspring. Listen to it from the Message Bible. The Message Bible puts it this way. It says, verse 14, Do you know why? Simple. Because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. And now you've broken those vows. Broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. What does God want out of marriage? He lo- he's looking for godly offspring. He's looking for children of God. He's looking for a generation of young men and women who will be raised up, who will be nurtured in the ways of God. That is one of God's intents or objectives for marriage. He's looking for godly offspring. Amen? And I realize that there are some among us, some of us in here, you know, the circumstances of life, the situations of life have been, have been harsh, many times outside our control. And yet as a single parent, you've raised up godly offspring. I tell you, though you've not enjoyed marriage and the companionship of marriage at a personal level, you've still pleased the heart of God. Because you have raised up godly offspring. Because that was God's desire through your marriage. Amen. So even if you've had to go through as life as a single parent, for whatever reason, things that are outside your control, I want to commend you this morning. If you've raised up godly offspring, you have fulfilled the heart's desire of God. Or God's heart's desire. And we need to salute single parents. Who have raised up godly seed, godly children. If you look at Abraham in Genesis the 18th chapter. Abraham, the Bible says, is the father of our faith. And if you go with me to Genesis the 18th chapter. You see something very important that God speaks about Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19. Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19. The Bible says, God saying this, He says... And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. See what God is saying. Look, I've chosen Abraham. I've called him. I've known him. And why did I call him? Because I want him to command or order or direct his family, his children, and his entire household after him in the ways of God. Meaning I'm counting on him. This is part of my call to him. That he, on the earth, would raise up children and an extended family of people 
who will learn to walk the ways of God. And here's the other thing I want us to say. God says, if Abraham does this, then I will bring the blessings what I have, that I have promised him. So I've, I want him to order his children after me, so that I may fulfill everything I promised him. And I think and I believe that if some of us will get our houses in order, we will see greater blessing, greater prosperity, and the fulfillment of what God has spoken for us. It's connected. For Abraham, it was. God said, if he will bring his children in the ways of the Lord, teach them the ways of righteousness and justice, then I will bring the fulfillment of everything I have spoken for his life. I want to spend some time now on Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. If you'll go with me to Deuteronomy chapter six, and again, I realize this is the Old Testament, but I believe the Old Testament should be our minimum in terms of our walk with God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read verses 4 through 8, or 4 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Moses is giving instructions to the the people of God. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your hearts. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Powerful passage. God is speaking to his people. He's saying, you know, the Lord your God is one God. Here's commandment number one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus put that in the New Testament. He said, this is the first commandment. Love God. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You've got to love God with everything you've got. But you don't stop there. The second thing I want you to do, these words that I'm speaking, my word that I've given to you, I want it to be in your heart. This word must dwell in you. And third, I want you to teach them diligently to your I want you to teach that word diligently to your children. Now the Hebrew is pretty strong. The Hebrew says you've got to cut them deep. Put the word deep in. It's like talking about making a deep incision. You've got to cut deep with the word. You've got to put my word deep inside them. Is what the Hebrew says. You've got to teach them diligently to your children. Parents, there is a mandate. There is an expectation that God has of you and me. He's called us, first of all, to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just love me with all you've got. Second, let my word dwell in you richly. Saturate your life with my word. Because you cannot give something you do not have. So get my word in you richly. And third, He says, now pour that out into the lives of your children. Teach them diligently. Not a casual thing. God, I send my kids to children's church. 
Listen, thank God for children's church, and I appreciate what's happening in children's church, but think of it, it's two hours in a week. And out of the two hours, it's about one hour in the world. And out of that one hour, you know, it's even shorter than maybe 30 minutes. And in 30 minutes, if, if the child is distracted, I mean, there's, there's, you know, not that much of time. So don't count on children's church to do what you are supposed to do as a parent. What does God require of me as a parent or require of you as a parent? He says, I want you to love me with all your heart. I want your life first to be filled with my word. Then I want you to be diligent in teaching them to your children. Teach them diligently. Now, why words? Why is God's word so important? Because God works by his words. Amen. And when the word gets into somebody then transformation comes from within them. And remember this, all permanent change comes from within. Let's say it together. All permanent change comes from within. Say it again. All permanent change comes from within. See, there's only so much you can push from outside. We can make rules, set guidelines, enforce the rules, enforce the guidelines, put them on a leash and all that stuff. There's only so much you can do. But all permanent change will come from within. By the power of that implanted word. That's why he says, parents, get my word into your heart first. Then put that word deep into the hearts of your children. Because permanent change will come from within. Joshua and I have two children. Ruth is going to be 10 end of June and Joshua will be 13 end of August. And Joshua you know, we just stop and he says, Dad, I'm going to be leaving home in five years. When I'm 18, I'm going to go to college. I mean, he's excited about leaving home and going to college, you know. 18, I'm going to college, far away, somewhere, you know. He's excited about it. And I was like, five years? Only... Five more years. He's going to go. My first reaction inside me was like, man, we'll take her home wherever he goes, you know. <laughs> Still the father's heart, you know. I want to make sure he has a home, you know. And I said, you know, that may not be practical. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, so what can I do for Joshua? If indeed in five years he's going to go to college and he goes somewhere else, what can I do? The best thing I can do is to do what Deuteronomy 6 says. Put the word deep inside him. Because you know, at home we can have all this external discipline. You know, you can say thou shalt and thou shalt not and thou shalt. I mean, we can put all that. But listen, he's going to be in that only for five more years. And then he's going to step out in this world where there are no restrictions, no guidelines, no boundaries. What is going to enable him to keep walking in the ways of the Lord? Not what's outside him, but what's inside him. And the best thing I can do for my son is to give him a deep foundation in the Word of God. Because that will preserve him. That will keep him. The externals will always change. The rules will always change. In fact, he's going to be 13. So I said, Josh, you're going to turn 13. I can't spank you anymore. The Bible does say, use the rods. You know, 
He is the rod. Because the rod of discipline will not kill the child. It will drive foolishness out of them. So parents use it. But then, you know, they reach a stage when you can't use it anymore. Right? He's 13. I said, Josh, you know, from now on I stop. This is going to stop. So the outside discipline, those things will change. What is it that's going to keep him in the ways of the Lord? It's this where God said, teach them diligently the way of the Lord. Gotta put that word inside him so that no matter which part of the world he goes, no matter where he goes, what college environment, what's around him, there is something in him that's guiding him. Amen. And this is how God wants us to do it. He said, you know, Speak my word. Talk about my word. When you are inside your house, when you sit down inside your home, and when you go out. Talk about my word when you're lying down, when you're going to lie down, and when you rise up. Talk my words all the time. At all times and all places. Everybody say this to me. At all times. At all places. You know, God is saying, speak my word. Make it part of your conversation. Talk my word. My word. Let it be part of what you talk. When you come in, when you go out, when you sit down, when you rise up. When you lie down, when you rise up. Talk my word. This is how you're going to teach it to your children. And parents, he says, I want you to tie my word on your hand and put it right in front of your eyes. And put it on the walls of your house. Now, the Hebrews did it literally. But I believe there's a message. The point is, parents, you be watchful. Let the Word guide what you do. Let the Word guide what you see and think. Let the Word guide everything that goes on inside your house. It's the message we can take. Parents, all the time do it. This is how you will be able to teach your children diligently the Word of God. So parents, there's a challenge. There's a mandate on our lives. We, as parents, have to first get the word inside us. We must love God with all our heart and soul, mind, and You know, if we were to do a survey this morning, right here, how many of you think God must be number one priority in your life? I'm almost, I'm certain that almost all of us will raise our hands up. No question. God, in your list of priorities, will be number what? No question. And we can do it right now. How many of you? <laughs> I'm sure all of us will put our hands up and say, you know, God is number one priority in my life. It's a given. Sounds good. You at least know, we at least know our priorities. But the next question, if God is number one priority in my life, how much time do I give God every day? Or on a weekly basis. I mean, I say he's number one priority. He's the most important thing. More than my job. More than my money. More than my everything else. He's number one. But if God is really your number one priority. My number one priority. How much time do I give? And honestly, if we were to do a survey. I am almost certain the average will be 10 to 15 minutes a day. Honestly. Now it might be a little imbalanced by those who might spend a little bit more time. But the average will be 10 to 15 minutes. 
and we still say God is number one priority. Pastor, God is number one priority, but I don't have time for Him. Something's wrong. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the words that I speak, let them dwell richly in you. The way the word will get into you is not by keeping it under your pillow. You've got to open and read it. You've got to spend time with the word. Parents, it's a challenge for you and me. Because if we don't go for one and two, it's almost certain we will fail in number three. Which is to teach our children diligently. The word of God. Amen. I want to share three simple things here on how to really teach our children diligently. Number one is this. Teach them by example. Teach them by example. The greatest impression that you and I can leave on our children is the life we live. Do we agree with that? You know, more than the preaching and the teaching and all of that stuff. All that's nice. But the greatest impression we can leave on our children is the life they've seen us live. And I think the biggest challenge for Christian children as they're growing up is to see the duplicity in the lives of their own parents. That my parents behave in a certain way in church. They say hallelujah, praise the Lord, stotram, under everything. It's like, you know, they are angels suddenly appeared from nowhere. But then, at home, they seem to be somewhat different. And this becomes the biggest hindrance for Christian children. And that's why they take such a long time to open up to God. Because they see the disconnect in the lives of their own parents. In church, they behave one way. At home, they behave the other way. So I want to challenge you and me. The greatest gift that we can give our children is to be consistent in our lives. In church and at home. That will leave a powerful impression. My dad's the same. When I see him in church and when I see him at home. His life's the same. His conduct is the same. His behavior is the same. Yes, at home he spanks me because he can't spank me in church. And I like that because I don't want to spank me in front of everybody. Yes, there are some variations. But aside from these things... It's a consistent life in church and at home. That is the biggest impression you and I can leave on our children. To lead, teach by example. What are your choices that you make at home? What do you do when you go to the grocery shop with your kids and you try to steal from the shop? So what do you mean? I mean like, you know, you eat the packet of legs and put the packet there. So what kind of things do you do? You run the traffic lights. What are you teaching your kids? Laws don't matter. So, but I just ran the traffic light. He is sitting there watching. So there must be consistency in our life in church and our life at home. Got to teach by example. Number two, teach on purpose. You know, we have to do this on purpose. You have to consciously teach your children diligently the word of the Lord. Where they, you know, God said, when you talk my word, when you sit down, when you rise up, when you come in, when you go out, speak my word. Do it on purpose. Use everyday situations, use teachable moments to say, hey, this is the Bible, this is what it says. Do you now connect what the Bible says with what you're doing in real life? Connect the two for them. Teach it in everyday life. Joshua's reading the book of Proverbs. We kind of try and do our devotion together. I mean, separate devotion for the kids. Joshua's reading the book of Proverbs. This week, you know, he was 
beating chapter 26 that says, you know, if you interfere in somebody else's problems, then you are like some meddling with other people's disputes, you're like taking a dog by its ears. I said, Josh, you know, when we drive the roads in Bangalore, you see like two men fighting, and there are 25 other people who are not in any way related to these, and they get involved, and they get involved with this whole thing. It's because, so Josh, that's an example of what you must not do. And he says, yeah, dad, I don't interfere in any of my friends' fights. They fight, I don't, I don't interfere. Okay. Next day, he was reading another chapter in Proverbs and said, you know, a stubborn person will not go unpunished. I said, Josh, you remember yesterday, we had to correct you and you so willingly complied. That's so good. Uh, you were not stubborn. You know, see this verse here? If you are stubborn, you will, it'll get you into problems. But you are not stubborn. That's a good thing. You know, so he's connecting the word with his own behavior. It's like, wow, okay, that's good. Talk the word in everyday life. So it's a small things, you know, when you do it. Say, this is it. This is what the Bible says. You got to teach on purpose. You got to put that word on purpose into them, because that word is what will preserve them in the days to come. And number three is this: invite the Holy Spirit. You know, as fathers, as parents. There's only so much you can do. And as much as you want to encourage your son or daughter to love God, you can't force them to love God. And as much as you want your son or daughter to serve God, you can't force them. There's only so much. You can talk to them about it. You can live your life before them. You can share things, insights with them. But then it's only the Holy Spirit who can reach deep down into their hearts to bring about that change. The good news is God said He will do it. He's given us a promise Isaiah 54 and verse 13, he said, All your children will be taught by the Lord. All your children will be taught by the Lord. See, parents, you do your part, then God will step in by His Spirit. But if you and I don't do it, he says, you're not getting off your backside, so what should I do? But if you do your part, God said, you teach them diligently to your children. And as you teach them God's promises, all your children will be taught by the Lord. And they will have great peace. In Isaiah 59 and verse 21, this is the last reference we look at. Isaiah 59, 21, the Bible says, God says, as for me, this is my covenant with you, says the Lord. The spirit that is upon you and the word that is in your mouth will not depart out of your mouth, but will pass on to your children and to your children's children. This is God's desire. That the anointing that He gives you, that you have received from Him, and the revelation that God has imparted to you, the word that you have received from God, God says, I will pass it to your children and to your grandchildren. But if you and I do not take the time to receive that anointing and to receive that word, then there's nothing to pass on. But it's a promise. He said, if you pursue God, you get the anointing, you get the revelation. He says, I will make sure it goes on to your children and to your children's children. And I was thinking about this, you know, I said, you know, there's a lot as a parent we can do. You know, we can plan for our children's education and try to give them proper guidance and, and uh, you know, do all those things. And those are good and they must be done. But I said to myself, the greatest gift I can give is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's the greatest gift. Money can be earned. Things can be accomplished. All with the anointing of God and with the wisdom from the Word of God. Parents, the greatest gift that you can give your children is the anointing of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. 
And God wants that to happen. Amen. And all the young people are saying, preach it, pastor. My dad needs to hear it. Mom, mom needs to hear it. Our young people, I'm not letting you go. And as I look around, young people, and I'm just talking about people in our church, but just generally even young people from other churches in our own cities, especially in urban cities, uh, urban centers. Now, we are living in a time of Christian history where there has been, there is no lack of resources. There's no lack of teaching of the Word of God. You go to books, go to the bookstore, you get all kinds of books on every kind of Christian, uh, every area of Christian life. Uh, you can turn on television and receive teaching through television. I mean, you can go on the internet and you can download stuff. So in terms of resources of the teaching and impartation of the Word of God, there is no lack. And yet, sad to say, when you look at urban Christian youth today, there seems to be such an emptiness of the Word of God. A huge vacuum. I mean, we've got the externals right. I mean, we know our Christian lingo. We can say hallelujah, praise the Lord. We've got our Christianese down. We know how to speak Christianese. But you look past beyond it and look into the heart. And you see, there's an emptiness of the Word. This is not to condemn you, but this is to challenge you. To say, look. This is your season to fill your life up with the precious anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. These are two things that definitely matter. Because one day, soon and very soon, you're going to go down the holy altar and you're going to say, I do. And you hope she says, he does, he does, all that. You're going to walk back all happy and excited. But that very day, God is saying, I am seeking godly offspring. I'm looking for children that you will raise up and nurture in the paths of righteousness and justice. And if you don't have the word of God in you, and you don't have the anointing of God in you, what can you give to your children? So I want to encourage you, now is the time to soak up the presence of the Holy Spirit and to soak in the word of God. Get deep in it. It will change you, transform you, and you will have something to pour out. Not only in your children, but in your entire household, in your extended family, and the lives of you come into contact. So young people, prepare for your future. Because one day you will step into the parents' mandate as well. Amen? Let's rise to your feet. You're going to pray. I want all of us to pray this morning. You're going to pray for parents. God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And these words that I've spoken to you, he says, put them into your heart. And then number three, he says, I want you to teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you come in and you go out. When you sit down and when you rise up. And write them on your hands. Put them before your eyes. Put them on the walls of your house. So that you're conscious of my word and all that you say. And all that you do. And all that you think, it's the Word of God that governs you. Parents here this morning, this is not to condemn anyone, but this is to encourage us to step in to the call of God. It's never too late to say, yes, God, I want to do what I can now to teach your Word to my children. In some way to influence them. Maybe begin by praying for them. Maybe just begin by talking in very simple, uh, creative ways, insightful ways, just, just sharing 
your, what, what you experienced of God in your own life. Teach by example. It's a very simple thing to do, but if you will, and I will just say that my life is going to be consistent in church, outside church. It will leave a big impression in the lives of each human, and it's never too late to start. Teach on purpose. Just simple things. You don't have to nag your children into the Word of God. Don't do that. But just simple, loving insights that you speak into their lives can make a big difference. And then invite the Holy Spirit. Can we just take a moment, parents, just pray for yourself, saying, God, help me to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help me to get your Word into my heart. And then, Lord, help me to pour it out to the lives of my children. Young people, I want you also to pray. Because someday, you too will be a parent. And then God will require this of you and me. Teach them diligently to your children. Why don't you start preparing for that now? For your assignment of parenting. And Father, we just stand before you to say that we embrace this mandate, Lord, this calling as parents to teach our children the word of the Lord. To be responsible for their nurturing in the faith. For their nurturing in the ways of righteousness and justice. To be responsible for their receiving the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of your word. We embrace this call. We embrace it.